The Third Man Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! Third Men Podcast. This is a Jack White Third Men Records history program, uh, and I am your co-host, Paul Kaminsky. I'm your other co-host, James Kaminsky. We're starting from the top. Well, you guys didn't send me your audio from the last time around, so I you're assume we're right. not you using that. You're right. That was my bad. I'm sorry about <laughs> no, that. No, it's also my bad. I didn't do it either. <laughs> well, so everybody, we're peeling back the... What disgusting thing should I say? We're <laughs> unzipping the body bag of our evening to show you all that uh, we had actually started this recording a couple weeks ago, and then um, technology exploded. My wife had a baby. I am barely conscious right now. And anyway, we're going to do a take two on this one. But we actually have a special guest with us who was there for part one as well. Should we do one of those, like, what's my line style guessing games where we, like, obscure your voice and then James pretends to be Betty White or something and has to guess who you are? Um. No. Okay. <laughs> Would you have one yes, one no? <laughs> Purely because I'm a bad at, I, I don't have a good Betty White up my sleeve. That's the only reason. Really? Oh, I thought everyone had a Betty White. 
<laughs> Holy shit. Oh, no. Stop. Hello. What you're doing. Hello, hello. Good. I am not the queen. I was about to say, that is Scott Thompson's impression of the queen. Once again, Luke Sinclair has proven uh, to just have so much overlap of things we enjoy with a, with a hot kids in the hall reference for us. Luke Sinclair, uh, welcome back to the program. It's been a little while since you've joined us for one of these train, I mean, episodes. <laughs> it's good to be back. Yeah. Last time you were here, I believe we reimagined um, some White Stripes albums, The Audacity of Us. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, they, and then Third Man made them canon. I couldn't believe they did that. Yeah, and Ben Blackwell put a hit out on all of us for that. <laughs> Sorry, Ben, haven't gotten me yet, so I'm hiding in a basement. They mailed us one of those hemp discs. That's what James meant by putting out a hit on. That's right. It's a weed. It's a sleep weed thing. That it I is. Did. It's fast, fast deteriorating inside the wax. <laughs> <laughs> so Luke is, I, I would say like-minded individual i'm sorry to say for both of us but luke and i uh, listen to some similar podcasts and there's a show that we both enjoy called something about the beatles it's a wonderful show where they go in and they give an olympic style rating to each beetle album and they give a gold uh, silver and bronze and we thought that would be fun to do with jack white albums and fortunately for us while it wouldn't really make sense to go year by year, it would make sense perhaps to go band by band. So today we're going to do the first installment in what we're calling Top Special, which is we are going to go in and give a, a top three rating, personal rating, to all of the Tours albums. So all three that are released at the time of this recording, Broken Boy Soldiers, Consolers of the Lonely, and Help Us Stranger. Now, I expect some fighting. I expect some yelling. I expect crying. If we're doing it right, we should have disagreements, I think. We're going top three songs for every album, correct? Correct. So each okay. album. I want to make sure that's clear to, to the audience member. And, and to peel back this body bag once more, we decided we weren't going to do gold, silver, and bronze. We were going to do, what was it? Uh, we're doing copper as number one. Okay. Tin is tin. second place. Bronze is still bronze because okay. copper and tin are the elements that make up the alloy of bronze. Oh, yes. That makes more sense. I was going to say gold could still be in the mix because Jack White's gold shoes and gold guitar in the Help a Stranger era was a weird departure from that. But but isn't that just copper? Wasn't that most meant to represent copper? I think, that, but it was gold, though. It should be the three stages of copper. So pure <laughs> copper is the gold. Denial uh, is the like, second. <laughs> and acceptance is the third. <laughs> so we're going to probably forget what those are. But what's the real takeaway here is it's the top three from each album. And these are our personal choices. And by the way, after all of this, what I assume to be hilarity <laughs> is over. We want to hear what your top three will be as well. And we would love for you to do that on our social channels, except our Twitter, which I'm mulling over deleting. I, I, I deleted the yesterday and today one because, first of all, nobody uses that. And second, like, <laughs> I just want Elon to lose the number. Like, I, at this point, you're going to let that guy back. I don't even care about the check mark. Honestly, I don't care <laughs> about the check mark. People seem to be fixating on this check mark. This, the man he let back on here tried to insurrect America. 
And and we all got together and we said, it'd be great if we didn't give this fucking asshole a microphone anymore. It's fine. Anyway, (laughs) uh, speaking of mulling, Luke, what are you drinking? It looks delightful. I am actually drinking... um Looks like a whiskey. A West Cork, West Cork Irish whiskey, aged in bog oak casks. Um, and this has been a big week. Uh, this is capping it off of we saw Banshees of Initiation earlier today. Yesterday we saw an Irish language film called Ankhalin Kyun at the Denver Film Festival. And then this past Monday on Halloween, Jeanette and I submitted our Irish citizenship paperwork. Wow. So this is to cap off a wonderful week of uh, Irishness. Hell I yeah. give your week. Check mark. <laughs> and got a new bicycle. <laughs> oh, good. Wow. Is that going to cost me $8? That's not, that's not so bad. That's I'm drinking a trash. Or $20 for that, uh, for that check mark. That's right. Luke, your drinks are always impeccable. Your taste is always impeccable. We are very glad to have you join us back here. Yeah. Let's get into it. Let's do it. So we're going to start with, why don't we start at the First album, I think that makes a lot of sense. We'll start with Broken Boy Soldiers, 2006's debut LP from the Tours. And Luke, since you're the guest, and since you outclass James and I by just so much, God, um, we're going to let you go first. And you're going to start, we're going to start with, uh, we'll start at the bottom. So we'll go bronze, tin, copper. I think I got that right. Got it. You did. You did. You did. You, you get, get a, a gold star. star. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Broken Boy Soldier. What is your? Let's get. Give me. Get, let's let's hear it. I'm going to start off, but real quick by saying I love Broken Boy Soldiers. This is absolutely one of my top Jack White albums. Period. James and I were talking about this last time that it's like it's his shortest album. It's what did we say it was 33 minutes and 40 seconds yeah, or something like that. I think, yeah, something like that. It is so tight. And perfect. And I love how like the album's recorded very simply and tight. And then it left the tour really wide open to explore those songs and make them a whole different beast live than they were on the album. But this is that I'll always come back to. I remember when it came out, shit, I think it was May 16th, 2006. And wow. I was so excited. Whoa. May the 16th the, be with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got him. The, uh, so the, my bronze is store-bought bones. single debuted early in 2006 and they had that old website the, their original website and they had just those two songs on there and you listen to steady she goes and it was something you hadn't heard from jack before and it was really neat yeah but then i think what kind of sold everything was hearing store about bones it was really exciting and it, it just made you really excited for the album and it's such a great track it's really exciting and again it's still tight you got the great drum solo near the end, or drum fill. It's not really, I guess, not really drum solo, but just kind of good drum fill, drum solo near the end. The slide guitar solo, and just kind of the droniness of it. It just is such a fun, exciting track, and always gets me going every time I listen to it. And then again, kind of what they did with it live. Of you know, they would either make it really fast, or they'd slow it down and make it a really fun groove. 
I think it's just such a great track. It's funny that you say that it's still tight because I would say this is the loosest of all of their tracks. This one kind of feels to me the loosest, which really? not that it isn't tight, but over blue um, veins. Yeah. With Jack's guitar in there, there's a little bit of slur that he's kind of doing in it that yeah. feels less um, kind of Jimmy Pagey, kind yeah, of Jimmy Page slur. It's less of the pop rock that that they're kind of known for in the raconteurs, western yeah. pop rock, whatever you want to call it. I don't, <laughs> but but it's you know the like he's kind of messing with timing a little bit in the in his guitar work and i i would say the chorus feels a little grittier than some of the other stuff a little less polished i should say than some of the other stuff not in a bad way but in a you know the can't buy what you can't buy what you can't buy yeah. like that feels a little dirtier in a dead weathery sort of way than the rest of it does not that it's dead weather not that there's anything wrong with that but um now, yeah it's to me this feels the loosest in a good way now i i agree with uh, luke here i i think this is extraordinarily tight because it's so carefully executed in the tempo changes like maybe live i'd agree with you james for sure but mm. like i think this is the first unless i'm mistaken somebody will tell me time that Jack really messed around with tempo changing like because after this album you get Icky Thump and Icky Thump lives and dies on tempo changes that in great beautiful ways and I think Get Behind Me Satan has like maybe the nurse has a bit of that and there may be a few other some examples but I think we talked about this when we did the analysis and review the tempo changes in this song and the perky jerky twists it takes absolutely blew my mind I thought I had heard the coolest thing I was going to hear out of the uh, Jack White and I didn't when I heard this song. Steady She Goes, very poppy, snappy. You know, uh, it makes sense that it was his most commercially successful hit ever. I mean, at the time of its release, I should I should amend. But this song was the one that sealed it for me. And that solo, when he goes in and it, we hear that first wail... It's almost like, uh, yeah. and that's where that Led Zeppelin thing, or I don't know, it's it's the most like arena rocky his guitar to me has ever sounded in a great way. Um, yeah. Because it, it showed me that he could do that and do it just as well as any of those arena rockers. He just chooses not to because he would prefer to do his own kind of thing. This album definitely showcased that kind of guitar god thing more yes. so than the White Stripes did. So this was kind of our first foray into that I think this album elevated his guitar renown because the White Stripes was even in amongst, you know, fans was kind of curiosity. It was like, wow, this is all different and weird and wild. And then um, when the Raconteurs hit, it was like, oh, this is proper rock music. (laughs) That's my best uh, Betty White impression. But um, (laughs) still not good. I'm workshopping it. I'm workshopping it. It's still British for some reason. She's not British, and she's, anyway. Definitely not. I think what works about this track, too, is you can hear Brendan's influence in it. Like, with the, the sort of chord change in the chorus, you know. Then it goes, you know, that steps down. Oh, yes, down. yeah, yeah. I feel like that's very Brendan, and you can hear, like, 
I think Brendan tightens it up. If it was just Jack, I think it would be looser, kind of like what James is saying. But I think it's that Brendan influence that kind of tightens it up. And I think what it showed was that, you know, Steady She Goes kind of shows Brendan popifying Jack, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe vice versa, Jack. I don't know which way you want to take it, but then like with Store Bought Bones, I think it showed that they were both kind of in cahoots when it comes to really heavy stuff like Store Bought Bones, that it wasn't just going to be that Brendan had a lot to contribute to that style as well, which he hadn't really gotten to do much of on, on his solo albums is something this heavy, yeah. but it showed that he had a lot to say in regards to something like a heavy track like this. Yeah. Me and Paul have gone into detail about how the Tours, for as much credit as Jack White gets for it is a Brendan project. Like it just, it's yeah. all about Brendan's oeuvre. And the Tours works best when it's 50, 50. Yeah. That is really when it, the band is, at, I think, just absolutely at its height when the two of them are so intertwined. You, sometimes it's hard to tell who's doing what, whose vocals are who. Like that, I think, is when they're so, that when the band's the best. And I, I think you get a lot of that on this album in particular compared to the other two. Broken Boy Soldiers overall as an album, it's hard to separate the parts of the, the cake, if you will. Yeah, even their voices sound very similar in this yeah. album. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jack referred to this one time, or the Tours as a project one time, as Jack White producing Brendan Benson in the same way as the White Stripes was Jack White producing Meg White or something like that. I think there's a quote to that degree floating out there somewhere. And I think actually this is the most Brendan of all the Rax records. I'd agree with that. It's funny you picked this song, which happens to be my copper, by the way. Mm. This was my This was my top pick as my number one choice on the album because I love it so much. But it's funny you pick this one because it's the most antithesis of the rest of the thing. It's um, the most high octane. It stands out perhaps for that reason in contrast and the sequencing with everything else going on in it. But there's so many little bits. It's like what Lennon said about I am the walrus. There's enough little bits in it to keep you interested a hundred years later. There's stuff like that in this where there's so many little things to kind of, explore in the sonic space that keep you interested in coming back for more. It's like watching Arrested Development for, or something or, or, or tracks like Man Man from Manhattan or um, Thoughts and Prayers or some of these other Icky Thump, some of these other tracks that have so many little nooks and crannies in them that you never get bored listening to it. Now, admittedly, I'm a little bored of Icky Thump now just because I've heard it live so many fucking times, but this is a forerunner very much in my mind of Icky Thump. You don't get to Icky Thump without store-bought bones. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I never thought about that. I should say that Broken Boy Soldier is probably a little looser than this one. So I rescind my this is the uh, loosest one, and Broken Boy Soldier, I, I would say, is the loosest. But this is amongst them to me. Anyway, I'm done. I'm right. No, it's good we have dissent, because I I, the last thing I wanted was us for us to pick all the same songs, even though we already had overlap on choice number one. <laughs> um, well, it's, it's a very short album. You're going to have overlap. That's true. James, uh, do you want to yep. go next with your... My number three, my your bronze. bronze. Yes, what's your uh, bronze? I would say level is my bronze.
level is a pop rock song and it is i don't know it's so polished and so perfect to me that i i, I don't know it was one of the first songs i heard from the album i think maybe that <laughs> that has a lot to do with it but it blew my mind that jack white was involved in a song that was so produced at the time and and it felt different it felt fun it's very up tempo they're using a lot of major key in this it's an interesting song to me there's not a lot that i'm gonna say to it aside from that i really find this and hands are kind of brother and sister songs and i would say i like level more than i like hands but both of them feel like fun brandon songs and uh that's kind of why i like them yeah, it's a very Brendan-y song to me, too. But this one also shows that camaraderie in full display with the bong, 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 bong. Like, mm-hmm. uh, seeing them do that live, especially, they look like they have so much fun, Jack and Brendan. And the treated vocals on it as well. And I love the one on the album. I think it's great. But I also love that live video they did in that warehouse. In the warehouse, yeah. Yeah. moment on the album having that like queen because that guitar solo always reminds me of queen it sounds like brian may when the when brendan and jack are doubling on the guitar solo <laughs> i remember jack saying yeah yeah jack mentioned that it was the first time someone had written a guitar solo for him um <laughs> but presumably brendan obviously brendan must have written it but it him having Patrick. to like learn a guitar solo <laughs> yeah yeah what if he did the like like when paul has to sing the like French horn bit, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like Paul telling Ringo what to do, which he did often, but it's very funny to me. (laughs) Yeah. Doing all that kind of stuff. Now, uh, that's interesting that he wrote the solo for him. I don't know if I I had ever read that, but that's that's really interesting to me. I mean, this is a really tight solo because of the fact that that Jack and Brendan double up. Yeah. They have to be tight for that solo. Yeah. And it just sounds so freaking good. To bring it back to Beatles, this is a George solo as opposed to a, you know, a John solo. It's, <laughs> yeah. very, it's a rehearsed solo. This is one that yeah. will never change no matter how many times. This is like, like All My Loving. Yes. Or, well, And Your Bird Can Sing, which is a double guitar part. Right. Yeah. I think this one is the finest example to me of their friendship because when you see them play this yeah. live... They are smiling and laughing the whole time. And when Brendan is eat, like zoning out or something, which was especially <laughs> evident at that help us help a stranger tour, when he would like forget lyrics and forget chords and forget my man loves loves the loves weed. Um but uh <laughs> they do have so much fun and Jack gets a rise out of him on the stage. You know, it's like, come on, you know, bang, bang, and he's slamming into him and stuff just a lot of fun and it shows that friendship because they go back a long ways you know it's sometimes we forget that you know they've been interacting since shortly after that first album yep 
Yeah. I think it was because, yeah, um, right, yeah. yeah, Brandon returned to uh, the Detroit area after One Mississippi didn't do so well, but Jack loved that album and that experience, what Jack heard in, in Brendan's music at that point in time just really bonded those two. And yeah, so they go back a long way and it's, it's nice to see that friendship on display here. Paul, what's your number three? Those are good choices, gentlemen. My bronze selection is Intimate Secretary. Yes. I love this one. This album for the first time this was maybe my favorite song on the record because it's so funny and weird um and it's against type for a jack record and probably that comes from brendan's stuff but you know you get all those really hilarious words uh, in the lyrics you know was it cacistocracy did we, we yeah, yeah cacistocracy was the yeah. one i was thinking of Ecclesiarchy. Um, yeah, I mean, putting those kinds of words into a, a song. Teapot. <laughs> no, but but even even that though is unusual for a Jack yeah, record. And yeah. when I heard this, I thought it sounded like fucking wings. It sounded like a. It sounded like I know we're going to talk about a lot of Beatles here. I apologize, everybody, but it was very sort of Beatles to me, or at, at the very least, now knowing through our kinkiness. It sounds kinky, actually. It sounds an awful lot like a kink song. Like this could this slides in yeah. right next to Eight Man, as far as I'm concerned. It also feels wingsy because there's also a secretary song with Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think this is this is this whole album feels a little kinky, and <laughs> this song, this song in particular, I think has the most kinksy feeling to it, especially because Ray Davis was such like kind of had so much fun with words and and this kind of reflects that but yeah i think overall this is the most sort of like yeah ray davis sounding track of the whole album and plus plus obviously also just sort of the audio quality of the whole album yeah sounds like it could be something else by the kinks from 67 you know or you know something off like Phil's green preservation society yeah the concept of the song is so absurd and strange compared to everything else where this one feels more like a it's got a lewis carroll kind of vibe to it where it's just kind of absurd the metaphors and stuff kind of go into strange new places well rabbit teapot Uh, also that yeah you've got imagery from from alice in wonderland anyway and uh this is my wait tin tin this this one's my tin Oh, this is my tin as well. Both of your tins. Uh, oh, fun. Yeah. It's Tintin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what a little pervert that Tintin. What, what a racist writer that guy was. But also, <laughs> very talented artist. Anyway. Uh, you know, I don't think it's... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw a parallel between this and Consoler of the Lonely. 
because mm-hmm. the point where Jack jumps in is this great, and he starts doing his part is an awful lot to me. Like never looking for the couple. It's it's sort of the evolution of that. I don't think you get consoler without this one because it's a trading back and forth like they do throughout the album, but in this one especially, Jack's harsh vocal sat next to Brendan's very soft melodic vocal is at the heart of what makes the song interesting. It's it's what makes it um, my choice for the, my uh, my pick on this record. It's also fun hearing Jack sing about these kind of pop rock Brendan lyrics about a girl. Like it's it's very funny <laughs> hearing Jack do that because his is usually like the girl's mother hates me or you know that kind of. Yeah. <laughs> so it's to your point, Paul, about um, consolers. This is also the same chords as consolers. Oh, really? <laughs> it is just F, it, F, it's F and G, which is also kind of their favorite sort of two chords because that's level is F and G. Hmm. Pull yeah, this blanket, F and G. <laughs> <laughs> to your point about consolers too, is this is the first, or you know, or with the with intimate secretary, this is the first song we hear where they do trade off vocals like that. They do way more in consolers, obviously, because the first four songs in consolers they trade vocals because mm. consoler they do salute your solution they do you don't understand me they trade vocals and old enough they trade hmm. often you don't understand me huh. yeah brendan sings the chorus doesn't he oh yeah you're right you're right yes huh interesting and this is the first time we hear them do that uh, on an album yeah huh if none of you have heard the radio performance of intimate secretary That's that good. was a b-side for was it hands actually? Um, the Zane rendition. That? The first half of it is all acoustic, and then it builds up for Jack's guitar solo in the middle. That is just the greatest freaking. They did such great radio performances in two thousand six. Oh, yeah, God, I have yeah. a whole collection of them. They're just incredible. Yeah, I do too. Anyway, yeah, I see this one. Yeah, it's in my uh, Rack and Tours B sides collection. Uh, bootleg. It's sandwiched between the Store Bought Bones Zane rendition and Blue Veins KCRW. So actually, all it says next to this one is live. So I don't know which uh, which it is, but it is good. I love that version. I've got so many things you haven't got. Sides that were 45 only available on the uh, 45s. You remember B-sides? Oh. Right. Good time. <laughs> Good time. Let's not let's not uh, get I, into that. I'm bigger. Well, to a, to a degree, the thing that got me into record collecting was B-sides. So like because yeah, I was like, here. I can only hear these songs. And so and I, I know Paul remembers like me buying Rack and Tours 45s because I would play them on our dad's old record player before I had a record player and you know I was buying them for the collector value and I'm like oh wait there's music I've never heard by the raconteurs <laughs> excuse me and yeah. uh we'd hear these strange ones so um yeah anyway they should bring them back they, but hey Jack White do bring back the thing <laughs> that exists b-sides yeah. are the best because it's it's a great way to highlight a song that maybe 
maybe is about average, but for some reason you put it as a B-side and all of a sudden it's, you love it because it's a gem. There's something really special mm-hmm. about it. But also, Jack always had a knack for putting really good songs as B-sides, and particularly covers. It was always a great place to put a really good cover. I know this is turning into B-side t- conversation, but um, my new favorite band, Cheek Face, put out a B-side album uh, of like every album they they put out like a couple days or a couple weeks after their release of their albums they put out a like an album of the B-sides that would have happened because they don't want to put out 45 so they just put out the all the B-sides on one album which is very fun to me and yeah I like that that's what Carly Rae Jepsen does and I'm I'm like I I like that where you get two albums one that's like all A sides and one that's all B sides. You get uh, the Fiery Furnace. My favorite Fiery Furnaces album is their album EP, which is just their B sides, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, there's a lot of value in that. I mean, it's interesting to hear that "Taking Me Back Gently" was very nearly a B side um, before he decided to put it at the end of "Entering Heaven Alive." I'll yep. be totally honest with you guys. I think it should have stayed a B side. I, I love it. I love, <laughs> I love taking me back gently, but you can't see I think the after Madman from Manhattan, after after Madman from Manhattan, I want I think that should just close the album because to me it just ends the album perfectly. And to go into taking me back gently, oh. I think is so takes it takes me out of it. Anyway, am I banned from the show now? <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I, we like- <laughs> no, he is. Get out of here. Um, I like the differences of opinion. No, I don't. No, taking you back gently is perfect. Um, <laughs> My favorite Led Zeppelin song is a B-side. Is uh, Hey, Hey, What Can I Do? Hey, hey. Yeah. Well, um, that was my selection. Now, we've all done our copper choices. Or, I'm sorry. We've all done our bronze. bronze choices. And you two now have already done your tins. So it's background again to me for my tin. And my tin is Hands. with hands for my tin because james in contrast to you i think between this and level this is the better one for me personally i like it on its very brendaniness brendanosity this was really our first exposure to brendan in a lot of ways and this song is extraordinarily brendan and so i think i associate this track with developing an admiration and a fandom for Brendan Benson as a solo artist, as opposed to just being within the tours, even though obviously the whole band contributes like they do on all of these tracks. Hands to me is an especially good example of how the rest of the band can elevate a Brendan song as opposed to them all getting together and jamming and creating something from whole cloth. I think this is very much Brendan's got this idea, let's lift it up and see where it can go. And I think it goes to some really beautiful, beautiful places, extraordinarily melodic places, which is Brendan's sweet spot, which we didn't often get 
in Jack stuff up to this point. And so I was really happy to hear that side of him with hands. And I'm happy they chose it as a single because I thought it was a good choice for that as well. Musically, this one does a lot for me in terms of mental visualization. I, I do that a lot where I kind of picture notes and stuff. So this one does a lot of what I kind of describe as mountain climbing. So it's like, girl, and it, you're kind of going up and, and it's constantly changing key a little higher you got those hands and then it goes into a plateau that feel and then it keeps going up and then it goes down so like there's some really cool mental visualization that this song kind of helps me yeah picture and the point where it goes and then you're with and then it yeah and then it keeps going higher and higher and higher uh so like i like that aspect to it it does have those brendan-y vibes to it way more than any other song on this album yeah Possibly from the entire catalog of the Raconteurs. <laughs> right. Because it just feels like a Brendan song. <laughs> it just feels like a Brendan song. Because it's also talking about a girl, which he yeah. loves to do. I like this song quite a bit. And the music video, excellent. Top tier. Mm-hmm. I just like Level a little bit more. I just like it a little bit more. Just ekes it out a little bit. I mean, Level has the stronger riff. Thank you. <laughs> there are things I don't dispute. I mean, I like Level. Level grades on me a little bit. I think Level, it makes sense that you like Level based on what I know about what you like from the rest of their catalog. Because we Level differ- grades on me a little bit. It makes sense that you like that. <laughs> no, we have differences. Of, it's not unfair to say we have differences of opinion on Raconteur stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that, that does make sense to me. But I just I guess I like the softer side of the Raconteur. I like when Brendan makes Jack a big softie. Fair. What I really like about this one is the ending of it, the sort of extended outro. It kind of quiets down and it's just sort of the bass. Yeah. articulate it right now but it, it, it again it's gonna that seems to be a hallmark of some of the brendan songs it reminds me of sort of the ending of um some days they don't feel like trying where they just kind of do something different musically yeah I, i'm trying my i'm trying to sorry it, um, pardon me for spacing out a little bit because i'm trying to picture the or hear the music in my head for the ending um i know that's a problem i was i was trying to like, <laughs> articulate it but i'm like well but I, I i just let me play it for you you know <laughs> Because the bass is that like dim dim dim, dim dim dim, dim dim dim, dim dim, and when you're with me, you know that that bit. There's that there's that outro, and I love that it's just kind of like separate piece to the rest of the song that closes it out. And yeah, the the only other parallel I can think of right now is the whole I'm here right now. I'm not dead yet. Oh yeah. Some days it don't feel like trying. Because they also have the similar thing where they build up and it starts out really simply. So the, there's like section A of the song, which is like the song. Mm-hmm. And then it quiets down to just Brendan or just instrumental. And then it kind of keeps building and building and building. And particularly live, obviously, they would really jam on that, on both of those songs. And build it up until, you know, it comes to that huge sort of crescendo. Yeah. And, and it's funny, Jack plays... 
what top yourself steady she goes you don't understand me you don't understand me live solo but hands was one of the few raconteur songs that brendan played on his solo tours for james we saw him play hands that's true on the god which album was that even it's the one with the house what song. kind of world oh uh, what, what kind of world i think I it was, it was the what kind my, of world tour. my old familiar friend has my old it. familiar friend i think it was my old familiar oh friend. really I mean, you saw him twice, actually, but the second time is the one I'm thinking of. The one okay. I, I mean, I am thinking of that that tour. But anyway, we saw him play Hands there, and it, it sounded the same. <laughs> you know, it's a, I didn't really miss. Well, it's, I didn't really miss the band. The rest of the band. It's got there. that thing that Brendan infuses into the rack and tours in the chorus, which is a. Uh, it's a chorus that almost. It's so. Come uh, like tightly packed with words that it all, you feel kind of out of breath by the end of it. Like when you're with me, there's a light that changes. Da, 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 da. And like <laughs> you like by the end of it, you're just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he does that a lot in the racket tours, and you could tell that it's a really Brendany kind of vibe to it. He does that with his songs a lot, where he he kind of compacts a lot into a chorus uh, with a lot of metaphor and stuff. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Well, let's move on to our copper selections. Luke, what is your top pick for Broken Boy Soldiers? So my copper is Broken Boy Soldier. The other loosest think, yeah it, it's it's such a it's such a great track going back to what you talked about paul about the video for hands i think this is such a weird fun video floria sigismundi did it right i don't know if i'm pronouncing her name right who did blue orchid and she i don't know if she did anything else with jack that sort of creepy stop motion video with the dolls and everything yeah the track's really fun i love the droniness of it and it's got Jack White's grandma voice in it. Um, <laughs> that's what Jeanette and I always refer to it as, is his grandma voice. Rock and roll it, Ethel Merman. Sort of weird. Yeah. It, well, it, it's, it's a little like Seymour Skinner's mom, maybe. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Seymour, the house is on fire. <laughs> it's it's his Northern Betty Lights, White. mother. It, it, it's, his, it's his Betty White ex, uh, voice yeah, for this right. song. <laughs> yes. Um, Hello. Anyway, Betty White. I just love this track. I don't know. I don't know how much I can say about it, but I hate to always go back to the live stuff. But I always liked live when they would come back from sort of the instrumental break in the middle, and he'd go to his copper mic and do that vocal line. Um, I'm child of men, child again. When like it's just him and Patrick, and he would do it on a copper mic, and it's all distorted. Just such a cool effect when they do that.
I find that stuff, as much as I love this song, I kind of find that stuff almost a little grating sometimes. I would say that this song is, it stands out so drastically in terms of polish and refinement from the rest of it with Jack's shouting. It feels angry, yeah. whereas the most of the other album just feels kind of sad or, or lovelorn. You know, Brendan. Um <laughs> But uh, but this one just feels kind of angry and aggressive, and he's shouting at you from that mic with the distortion and and the the drone. It's like it's cool, and I love the song, but it stands out so much that I don't know if I would even put this in my top eight. It's pretty. It's <laughs> it's strange. I, I, to your point, though, it is probably the and the antithesis of what I was saying about I think the Raconteurs works best when it's the two of them together. This probably is the most. Jack centric song. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Blue Veins. Yeah. To me, the, yeah. to me, those two feel very similar. Blue Veins and Broken Boy Soldiers are kind of sitting. Broken Boy Soldier sit in a similar pocket. This one doesn't utilize the harmonies that the rest of the yeah. song utilizes, whereas Blue Veins does to a point. You know. Yeah. Uh, at at the very least in the chorus, but this one doesn't utilize their unified talents, whereas it it kind of showcases individual talents that's a good point but look i i, I i'm a, i i love the song not that there's anything wrong with that but this is why the cold stone creamery system exists because we love it all <laughs> but sometimes we just li- like it love it or gotta have it i mean this is a like it and you don't gotta have it i don't gotta have it but I, luke i'm pr- i'm i love that you got it you were about to say i'm proud of you <laughs> <laughs> Luke, I'm proud of you. <laughs> it's the dad in me. I'm about to piss both of you and a lot of other people off by saying I just don't like this song. Oh no! I, I skip it. I, I can't. It but, hurts my ears. Like I just the whole album's so melodic, and then we get this. I'm like, oh shit, man, calm down, dude. And there's no, but there's no variation. You know, I like what we talk about with these other tracks. There's a lot of variation. That's what keeps me interested in things and. I'm just not a harder hard rock guy. I'm really not. Like when it comes down to it, I I struggle with a lot of that scream sing stuff. I just don't get it. But it's not that there's things that I don't like about this. In fact, when we did the research, I liked it a lot more because we got kind of got into what it was about a bit more. I think this is primarily a Jack song, but it's I think the second one they wrote together, if I'm recalling correctly from that episode. Everybody go back and listen to our Broken Boy Soldiers analysis and review for those details. It was in the early seasons, so please skip over all the embarrassing and cancelable stuff that we did. Um, (laughs) But I think what we learned was that it's kind of about like um, growing up and feeling as though you have to put your pleasures and things away you have to put these things that bring you joy and put them away and and enter into a life of miserable adulthood an awful lot like going to war or something and it's an interesting expression because they took what made them happy as kids you know it's just music and turned it into their lives their whole lives so they're i don't know it's kind of an interesting projection on their part talking about maybe feeling a little self-conscious about that. So I like the message behind it. I just don't care for the song. And it's just because I'm more of like, I'm looking for melodies and this one really doesn't have one. And that's, um, or if it does, it's so loud and distorted and it's not in that stripesy loud and distorted where there's something bluesy there. I can kind of 
grasp on, but the ba-doom, ba-doom, ba And don't get me wrong, I like droney shit. Like, Anthems for yeah. 17-Year-Old Girls, one of my favorite songs. I just saw, who who sang that one on stage recently with a reunited broken social scene? I feel like it was like Meryl Streep or somebody, which I find is very funny. <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah, that's that's true. I <laughs> think. It was Betty White. And it was, no. I'm, I'm serious. Hello again. I'm serious about this. I think it was Meryl Streep. But anyway, so I don't mind droney stuff, but for some reason, this one just, just I feel exhausted. I, I skipped it. I'm so I sorry, think- Luke. But I, I, I like that it's your number one. No, fair, fair enough. Yeah, I like that we have the sort of difference, you know, that we're not all just saying the same thing for our, for yeah. our copper. <laughs> yeah. You know, you talking about like this, you know, this being um, a song about like yeah, having to kind of put away your toys and, you know, like move on and become an adult. And then and the anger in it, that kind of then links up with the fact that, you know, they record this album right before all four of them move. Mm-hmm. This isn't long before all four of them moved to Nashville. Obviously not in the case of Patrick and Jack, they, uh, Jack Lawrence, LJ, they weren't leaving Detroit, but Jack and Brendan were both leaving Detroit in a fairly bitter place. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Brendan talking about getting what stabbed at the gas station around yeah. the corner from his house and getting robbed and the gear taken and stuff like that. And so, you know, maybe there's a kind of a lot of that playing into that because they recorded this album in Brendan's attic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, in um, Detroit, yeah. Yeah, on the, what, Grand Avenue, right? And so this is almost sort of this, like, send-off to, all right, we're out of here. <laughs> yeah. you know? It is, yeah. yeah, this was at the peak of the sweltering hot attic sessions, because if I remember, <laughs> it was so hot in those sessions, they said. So, yeah, they were probably just angry and just wanted to get a, the hell out of there. I like it <laughs> but more it's thinking funny. about it as a middle finger to Detroit. <laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> the... The placement, the album placement, I think, plays a, a huge role in how sad and depressing this song can feel to a point. Because Hands, which I, I mentioned gives me the mental picture of climbing up a mountain, Broken Boy Soldier is all just going down into minor, like just... It's in the mud. Yeah, you're just going deep into this mine and you're you're yeah. then getting into the... It's basically, if anybody knows the videos and music by Syriac online he's an animator he did a music video for uh run the jewels with cats but he does a lot of gif music videos and music specifically and it's all droney and weird and devilish and it's it's like peewee's breakfast machine song if it was all in hell (laughs) is kind of how i would describe it um so this has that kind of vibe where you're going into the mines and you're just you're riding this weird roller coaster in hell and um Well, and then, and then you get Intimate Secretary right after it, right? So right. you're right in terms of the placement that you're sandwiched between these two super poppy songs. Yeah. But then I think you dive down to the dirge, sort of the, or not dirge, but it's just sort of like the droney, hellish vibe of this. And then, But then that elevates Intimate Secretary to yeah. be what it is. It makes yeah. Intimate Secretary feel a lot happier. And we can all agree that uh, it is not as dull as Call It A Day, which I love Call It A Day. Yeah. Not that there's anything uh, wrong with that. but it's, that's, a, that's that's my least favorite on the album, I think. <laughs> I would listen to this I, 10 times before that. Hey, fuckers, October 18th, Meryl Streep and Tracy Ullman sing anthems for a 17-year-old girl with a reunited... That's Tracy a, Ullman? And Tracy Ullman. I was not lying about that's this. That's amazing. <laughs> um, his video huh. it too. It's all right. James don't know about wow. them. 
James has never heard of love. That's a Tracy Ullman. Tracy Ullman is the one who did The Simpsons. No, I know. Like, Luke, who's in Give My Regards to Broad Street? Tracy Ullman. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She, she's a singer. She'd do it in there. Because <laughs> that's, that, I mean, shit, that's contemporary with when The Simpsons start. Because Give My Regards to Broad Street is 85? 84. Shot in 84. Okay. So, okay. And I think... I don't know. I, I don't know when the Tracy Ullman sh- show starts, but I think The Simpsons starts in '86 on her show, right? I thought it was '88. It was on Fox, definitely '89, because I think it premiered two weeks after I was born, or a week yeah. after I was born. I don't know a world without The Simpsons. I think it was. It's, yeah, something like that. <laughs> James, it's, I I would like to know a world. Where we know your copper selection. Oh yeah, I for broken that voice soldiers. I forgot that I still have to do that. My copper is actually. I want to see if Paul can guess this one. Um, you trying to figure out what the most grating song of the album is? <laughs> Hold on. It's call it a day. No. <laughs> <laughs> During Help Us Stranger, weren't they like continually trashing that song in interviews? They were always going like, oh, but fucking call it a day. That piece of shit. <laughs> I don't recall them ever doing that, but that's very funny. That Now that would have been better off as a B-side. I am going to guess, and this is going against what we've talked about today, but I seem to have some memory through the haze of the last seven years of us doing this. Um. Yellow Sun? Yellow Sun. Did I get it? Yes. You got it. Yellow Sun. I love it so much. It's a good song. Uh, it it's so upbeat and happy and it's vaguely reminds me of werewolves and I like that aspect <laughs> of it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, there's just a lot of fun poppy energy to it. It stands out. You know, if there's another Brendan song on this aside from Hands, it's Yellow Sun and I think this one is kind of a a more jazzy fun Thing. I don't know. I like it a lot. Yellow Sun's great. Anyway, that's it's uh, unsung. I mean, they don't typically play it live, and not many people think about this song. I feel like it is quite good. I think that it and it's uh, like you're saying, James. That hands, Yellow Sun, and Intimate Secretary are like the three very Brendan tracks, and they're three of my favorites on the thing. I had to go with the other two for my choices here but yellow sun is definitely a favorite of mine because it's got just really beautiful brendan melody like that guy has melodies falling out of his ass he is so good at that stuff and um and it's it's also got that really rich wonderful breathy airy wilburys ish guitar acoustic guitar 
about it. And that's one of the things I love so much about the Tours upon first listen is there was so much dang acoustic guitar and that we just weren't accustomed to in Jack stuff. Not that yeah. he didn't do acoustic guitar periodically, but not this kind of rich, very lush acoustic guitar, like several of them playing at once type of thing. So yeah, I, I agree, James. This is a, what a wonderful pick for your copper. What's great about this um, album placement too, is it's almost like because it sort of sits between store-bought bones and then called a, and then blue veins or like blue veins and store-bought bones are two really big tracks. I think you have a tendency to forget yellow sun exists. And so when you go back and re-listen to broken boy soldiers, it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving you like, Oh, that's right. I love this fucking song. And it is just a really fun song. I, I remember one of my friends when she first got into the raconteurs, she was like, why'd you never play me this song? I love this song. You know, that was the one that got her totally hooked and just made her fall in love with them. It's got the Brendan stuff that I really like about his music, which is uh, a lot of stuff about courage and cowardice um, mm-hmm. and the dichotomy of those two things. So I really enjoy, <laughs> I really enjoy that aspect to it. And, and the line, and if the sun should follow us into your room, like it's good, it's good metaphor. It's good stuff. I really like it. That's some anyway. children's book ass material right there. The other thing I love about this is it, to your point, James, about it, the Brendan Benson indecisiveness I think this is the precursor in some ways to sitting on this fence in some ways because uh, that song is about how he'll basically go any direction the wind blows. And in this one, he actually says, my actions are dictated by the phase of the moon, (laughs) which, you know, could be an astrology thing or something. But (laughs) he feels like he can't control his life and he's searching for some excuse to follow something else. You know, and in IRL, that was probably Jack White, but, you know, for his everyday life, you know, these <laughs> old things, you know, the direction of the wind, the phase of the moon, you know, these things. So, yeah, it's very, very Brendan in that way. But beautiful lyrics. Absolutely beautiful. All right. I think we did it. We did. We got through. We did Broken Boy Soldiers. BBS. We did it. Yeah. So we only uh, we only had a couple overlaps there. Just to recap yours, Paul, your copper was... Um Store-bought bones, right? Store-bought bones. So yeah, my bronze was intimate secretary, my tin was hands, and my copper was store-bought bones. And Luke, yours were? Store-bought bones was bronze, intimate secretary was tin, and Broken Boy Soldier was copper. And James? Level was my... Bronze. Bronze. Thank you. (laughs) Intimate secretary was my tin, (laughs) and yellow sun was my copper. All right. Well, let's move on then to Consolers of the Lonely. We are two years out from Broken Boy Soldiers. And in that time, the White Stripes have unofficially exploded. And we get this unexpected return to the Tours very shortly after the previous album. I mean, you think about it in today's time, it would be as if the Tours made another album in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> so we would have had it already by this time. I guess it moves a little quicker when everybody's in their 20s and early 30s and things, uh, or feeling as though they have to prove something to some record label or something. But anyway, it did come out fairly shortly after and has a different flavor for sure than the first album. James loves this one. James can't get enough. Mm-hmm. This is a favorite of his. It has some of my favorite tracks as well, and we're going to go down the list here and, and do it all over again. So Luke, what is your cop your bronze i'm this is going to be hell to edit because we forget every day what luke what is your bronze on consolers (laughs) of the lonely all right 
coming in hot with my bronze. These stones will shout. Whoa! That's this? one of Paul's least favorites. Uh, I, no, that I was that, that that was my tin. These stones will oh. shout was my tin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shoot. I love that song. Well, yeah. I almost feel like this is the yellow sun of Consolers of the Lonely. Again, it's a track that it's kind of a similar song placement on the album, and it's always a treat when you go back to it. And it has that. Um, they kind of do on it what I was talking about with Intimate Secretary, that radio session where you start off nice, acoustic, mellow, and then you build up and it explodes. In terms of doing it on an album, it's, I don't know, right now it's the only time I can think about when they really did that contra- that sort of like stairway to heaven type contrast where you start off yeah, mellow and acoustic and then just blow up and exclusively um, that and, right because they do they toggle yeah but this one is different because half the song is literally that softness and then it explodes with yeah. and then the, those awesome drums and then the doom, 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 and i could go on and on because again one that i don't think they really played live <laughs> they I don't. don't remember hearing i don't i'm sure they've played it but i can't ever think of a recording i've ever heard them play this song i know they did a radio session with it because I think that was also that maybe was a B-side on one of the consolers 45s maybe I'm wrong but I know they did some sort of radio session with this but it was all acoustic throughout they didn't make the switch oh really the electric part they did they kept acoustic and I don't know it's an interesting one because I feel like there's not a whole lot in the rest of any of their catalogs that kind of sound like it yeah so I, I, I just think it's a great, fun, exciting track that every time I listen to Consolers is kind of like Yellow Sun with, for, for James. It's just something I like. I'm always like, ooh, that's right. I love this one. They've played this song four times live, <laughs> including Paul, Terminal 5 in 2008. Mm-hmm. So where me and Paul saw them, they did play this one. Only in 2008. All in 2008. So you have the Edge Festival, 
Terminal 5 in New York, Uptown Theater in Kansas City, uh, and the Cannery Ballroom in Nashville. So those are the only times, according to setlist.fm, that they played the Stones Will Shout, just narrowly beating out Crazy by Gnarls Barkley, which they (laughs) played three times. Wow. I feel lucky to have caught one of those. That's good. Yeah. I grew to love this one more after we did our Consolers of the Lonely. pull this blanket off way more than this one. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I grew to like this one a lot more after we did our analysis and review, actually, because I, like you were saying, Luke, forgot in a lot of ways it existed. Not that I forgot the song, but I forgot that there was all that beautiful acoustic guitar and contrast and all this stuff. And then I started listening to it with these new ears. It's just a good title, too. Yeah. This stands out as such kind of an oddity, I think, in Jack's catalog, Brendan's catalog, the Raconteur's catalog. This just kind of always stands out as kind of an interesting track that just keeps on giving, damn it. I do think this one was probably more of a challenge for them to play live. A lot of these songs on Consolers are more of a challenge live because of the kind of intricacy of the doubling up guitars and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I love this tune. If I recall, it's the one that I played for Paul, the first song you heard off the album, because I picked you up from Princeton Mm -hmm. with the CD in tow, and this was the first song that was playing. (laughs) I don't remember that, but I do remember that car ride. I don't remember this being the first track. It's not it was um, Many Shades of Black, but I thought it was Stones Will Shout. Well, uh, that's a great choice, Luke. Wonderful choice for your bronze. James, what is your bronze on Consolers of the Lonely? would be consoler of the love. Haven't seen the sun in weeks. My skin is getting pale. Haven't got a mind left to speak. And I'm skinny as a rail. My bolts are getting thin. My interest is starting to wane. I'm told it's everything a man can want. And I shouldn't complain. Conversation's getting dull. There's a constant buzzing in my ears. Sense of humor's getting It is one of the coolest sounding songs on this album. Really fun, really aggressive in a in a poppy way. I mean, this reeks of Jack White, but it does have that kind of duality with, with Jack and Brendan that can exist, and, and I like that. So yeah, it's Consoler of the Lonely. I can't help but be overcome by Paul's old roommate telling us that it's probably about cocaine. So now all I'm thinking about is this song's about cocaine. But um, anyway, aside from that, it's it seems uh, it's I love this song quite a bit. Yeah, it happens to be my copper. <laughs> it is it is my tin. Yeah. yeah. So, but two of my selections. <laughs> James, you saying this is like the cool song? I totally agree. I remember when. So, I mean, it's really funny that they announced the album. What like mid March, and 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 the album came out like what, 10 days or two Very weeks later quick. or something like that? There was no time, yeah. And in that time, it still leaked because, what, iTunes accidentally posted it. 
uh, like cool. five days early or something like that, right? So even in the time it was able to leak, but this was the one track I got when it leaked. And I couldn't, like, it, it blew my mind, especially when Jack comes in, right, with the super high-pitched vocal. And I listened to this over and over and over again. And it was so exciting because I love the Raconteur. So it was the first, and because we are so used to hearing sort of the lo-fi vibe of Broken Boy Soldiers. And then to hear this was this total, like, holy shit, what's this album going to sound like? And but this always holds a special place in my heart, this song in particular, because... I got it. I like put it on. I like burned it to a CD, as was the style at the time. I did that the night. So my dad had gotten moved to Sweden for work at the time, and he was in Denver, and he picked me and my brother up, and we were gonna fly to Sweden the next day. And I put it in the car, and he kept at. He said, "Play that again. Play it again." My dad like asked to hear this song like five times because he just couldn't get he couldn't get enough of it. And then we ended up being in Sweden when this album came out. So I was able to get the, uh, I think Patrick, right? Oh. Was the European. On the back? Yeah. Yeah, because the American one has Jack Lawrence. Right. Yeah, European was Patrick. So that's the one I got when I bought the album was, and then what, Jack is Japan and Brendan's Australia for the saboteurs? (laughs) Sounds right. He would be down under. Um, <laughs> oh, because he's a sad man. Because he's a sad man. This song is one of my favorite Jack songs of all time. I just, I, I don't know. I, I walked away from this feeling like numb. Like I got the same feeling from this as I got from Lazaretto, as I got from Storebot Bones, as I got from Icky Thump, as I got from Blue Blood Blues, where I'm just like, yeah, where's this guy getting this stuff? What is this? It, it just was the best rock and roll I had heard in a long time and i listened to a lot of rock and roll but it just impressed the hell out of me in ways i wasn't prepared for i haven't had a moment like that with jack projects in in a minute but when it happens it's extremely potent and this one was that for me it's why it was my top pick because i could cut the rest of the album i think and just have this and i would be happy i don't know when i i don't ever really sit down and listen to consolers of the lonely all the way through much but I listen to this a lot. So it's interesting that even on an album that doesn't grab me personally that much, just stylistically, it could have on it this thing that just blows my mind, speaks to my very soul. Just these really interesting, odd, beautiful lyrics. And again, it's that contrast, that herky-jerky left turn stuff that they do. I don't know. It's an old trick, I guess, but it just felt so new in their hands. What a show opener it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I, I don't have enough nice things to say, but I, I, I've gushed about this song on previous episodes. But yeah, that if you're looking for an accomplice thing, when that came in, I, I got sh- chills. I got shivers in my spine when I heard him say that. Incredible song. I mean, if you want to talk tidbits to pick apart and love for generations, a la Storebot Bones, yeah, yeah. this one there's the tone shifts that go in from Brendan to Jack to Brendan to Jack. It's, uh, it's great. Imagine a super group in heavy quotes, having this much gas in the tank for record two. I mean, I think this one, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of traveling Wilburys volume three, where it is a very, very different record, but they still had so much gas in that tank, like creatively speaking, incredible that they had this just sitting there and and i don't even think this was i think this is one like a studio creation i would have to imagine i don't remember the writing 
details the process uh, of the writing on this terribly much but it sounds like a studio creation so the fact that they were able to pluck this out of nowhere i think is astounding my recollection is from them talking about it is it's a bit of a uh, day in the life situation where they had three song concepts that they mashed together brendan had his bit that he sings jack had his bit that he sings but then jack also had the ending guitar solo bit that he was thinking to put somewhere and they just mashed it together like day in the life that's what i remember reading at the time mm-hmm. it's good and it wasn't this album was recorded concurrently with icky thump wasn't it because they did a promo video with jack lawrence and meg i don't remember those details uh, but for people who want to know those details they can go listen to our <laughs> console of the lonely album analysis and review which we did i don't know some years past in a less cancelable time in our personal lives uh, which probably talks about that <laughs> They were both done at Blackbird, I think. Yes, they definitely were both done at Blackbird. I swear there was like, I don't know, if maybe not concurrently, but I think there was maybe some sort of overlap. Maybe they were mixing Icky Thump while then working on consolers or something like that. I think I recall something about him saying, like, we were used to recording at Blackbird from this particular album, so we just continued doing that. Oh, right. Okay. We talked to Joe Ciccarelli about it. It was okay. uh, there, there was some time separating those releases not, okay. not much or I, those I can remember if there was an overlap or not that he we do actually make direct reference to it in that chicorelli mm-hmm. interview i just don't remember off the top of my head but you can listen to that on an increasingly less cancelable year of ours which was a little later on <laughs> did you guys ever reference that little promo video they did where it's jack lawrence is pretending to be jack white or jack white is doing the overdub for jack lawrence as he's talking to meg about the new icky thump album and then jack white comes in with jack lawrence dubbing him <laughs> And he's going like he goes, "Hey, have you seen my bass?" <laughs> I remember it, but I don't think we talked about it. Or if we did, it's in that. Now we're going back to a little more cancelable time when we did Consolers of the Lonely Part One and Two. I think I mentioned it in there. Okay. If I recall. Hey, we're the White Stripes. My name is Meg. And my name's Jack. So how was it recording here at Blackbird Studios, Jack? Oh, it was great, Meg. I had a really good time. I think we got some really good tones on tape, and the acoustics are amazing. What'd you yeah, think? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I thought it was a great studio to work in. Yeah, I, I really like playing guitar in studios, especially when my amplifier's turned on. Uh, <laughs> I like uh, also to uh, put microphones in front of my amplifier. It seems to make it uh, louder when we are trying to record. That's interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah, you should try it sometime, though. Uh, they have these things called pickups they put on guitars a number of years ago. Seems to seems to make them louder, I think. Really? Jack! Jack, hey. Sorry, hey, Meg, how are you? Yeah, uh, we need to cut these vocals so oh, okay. we could get going on that. would be great. Sorry, Meg. Right. See you. See you, Meg. Come on. Uh, have you seen my bass? Well, we did everybody's bronze. Tin? And we did both my tin and my copper, but we did not yet cover my bronze. So I'm going to go ahead and share Uh my bronze, which is Many Shades of Black.
smash it on the floor Take whatever's left And take it with you out the door See if I cry See if I shed a single sorry tear I can't say that it's been that great The reason... I went with Many Shades of Black is, uh, is uh, there's many reasons. Um, one, it's a very Brendan song, and I love me a Brendan song. It's got gorgeous lyrics, and it's so soulful. Also, I love the Adele version. Also, this is really the first song where Susanna didn't tell me to turn off the, the Jack White record. I was like, <laughs> and she started singing it, and I was like, oh my God, I got her. And uh, she, because she really likes the the vocals, and she didn't even know there was an Adele version. And my wife had a phase of her life when she was training to become an opera singer, so she's capable of these big vocals. And when she sang Many Shades of Black, she sang it like Adele without having heard the Adele version. And I thought that that was very interesting. So I love this track for those reasons. I also love it because I have very good memories of when I did the recording for our open show with Lucy Walsh. That was so much fun and getting to actually play this song. I actually got a working take and for somebody who is such a novice guitarist to get a working take on something just made me feel good, you know? I had to write little notes for myself in tape on the fretboard to remember where my fingers were supposed to go for the different chords because I'm not used to playing things with that many chords, but uh, it all worked out. So anyway, a lot of personal reasons for loving this song, but also a lot of just just on a sonic level, I, I could live in this space. If this whole album was a single, like I said before, and it was Consolers, this would be my B-side. Many Shades of Black is actually my tin as well. Very nice, so. very nice. I kind of echo a lot of what you're saying there. This song is bombastic and cool without seeming... I know you think uh, some of the songs on this can get a little spinal tap in its theming, uh, but this one kind of skirts that in an interesting way, and I feel like this song does the the Western pop rock thing quite well. Yeah. There's a new Bruce um, album where he sings R&B standards. And it's got this energy all over it, <laughs> where it's a very white white man able to capture that kind of soul music that is so intrinsic to the black community in ways that don't, to my ear anyway, feel like an impression, because it does feel genuine to me. But interesting to me that uh, that was uh, what Brendan was able to do with this and what he would continue to try and do with the next record because he basically recorded this one like twice on the second album <laughs> or the third album. Not only that, this song has that horn section, which is just fucking rips. It's so good. That solo, um, though. Whoa, that yeah. solo, that guitar solo. And it's got such feeling and intensity to it. Like there's very few times where I get those kinds of musical chills and stuff but this song sends those to me every now and then the little like it's not asmr but it's just like <laughs> ah, it's like a weird little like that's cool you could tell that the artistic intent and the emotion being put forward are really uh front facing in this song which you can hear <laughs> you can hear him saying go ahead you know just <laughs> all right so luke am i remembering correctly that consoler of the lonely was your tin that is correct and james your tin was Many Shades of Black. Oh, oh, that's right. Yes. Okay. So we got yours and we're finished with mine. So we're back to you, Luke. What is your copper for Consolers of the Lonely? 
Salute your solution. Oh. of this list because I couldn't quite settle on one. One I cut from the list that I want to do an honorable mention for is Switching the Spur. I'm not crazy about Many Shades of Black. Okay. Which I know it's right. after what was just said. All right. But Switching the Spur hits all those things <laughs> for me. Good. But Salute Your Solution, I was like going to the list, going to the list, and I kept coming back to this one of just like, it's so exciting. Again, the music video is also great for it. And it's kind of got what James was talking about with hands where Jack like just can't seem to get enough <laughs> words out. And to me, this is like peak raconteurs. This might be a, like peak raconteurs of everything, even though Broken Boy Soldiers is probably is, is my favorite raconteurs album and one of my top Jack albums. This song is, I think, where all four of them gelled together or all five of them, really, because that's Dean doing the keys on it, right? Where all five of them gelled so perfectly and it's so exciting and fun and poppy and it's got like equal parts brendan equal parts jack and equal parts greenhorns rhythm section yeah that it ah it's such a great track so of the tracks on this record that give me a headache (laughs) this one and five on the five are the ones that are like okay i'll listen to these because there is some melody in here. <laughs> um, but also... I love five of the five so much. But also because Jack Lawrence's bass on this song is absolutely out of this world. Like the fuzz bass? Doom, doom. Yeah. Doom, 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 doom. Like, as far as I'm concerned, he's the star of this track for me. Because And it gives you that bit of... Um, uh, of a sonic break, and that's what I mean when I say these songs. Some of these songs on consoles give me a headache because they go on and there's no contrast, and they're just shouting at me like stones, and they're just loud without any. It's like console, it's my same critique as Broken Boy Soldier, which is that it just doesn't, it feels like it's just a big wall or something. But in this song, there is a bit of a break, especially when they break and then Jack Lawrence does those cool little bass licks and stuff. Yeah. And the lyrics are great. I just can't really discern them because there's shouts sung at me. And Brendan, I feel like, is not terribly good at shout singing, whereas Jack is quite good at shout singing. So I don't care for the vocal arrangement, but I like the lyrics if that makes any sense so there's things i do like about this but coming after in my opinion a masterpiece because i think it's track two right this is the second track yeah maybe it's just the simple is it's hard to top that it's like how are you gonna top that well top yourself yes That's right <laughs> which i actually really like top yourself actually anyway so i like that this was your first pick because it, it wouldn't have been on my list but i do i do like this song, and it's quite popular it's um We've heard this in commercials. I believe the NFL used this yeah. um, more than once. That's kind of funny to me because this album is not really known for its hits. I would say this is the, the well, this is the hit of the album. The soul, right. This is the soul, yeah. 
thing that did anything. But it, it's used in movies. It's used in radio and TV. This one's yeah. like this and Five on the Five are the two that are like utilized raconteurs. I mean, obviously you have right. Steady She Goes being the hit hit. But if it's a contest between this and Five on the Five, I'm going Five on the Five because I have good memories of them playing it on the Broken Boy Soldiers tour and hearing it and not knowing what yeah. it was and thinking, oh shit, is this some random cover or is this going to be on the next album? And it was. So I just, I have personal reasons for that. One. For Five on the Five for me, that is, I wanted to put it on the list because I do love that song, but I love the 2006 live versions because I had like bootlegs of it and it was so exciting and so fun. And then when I was really excited when this album came out and I got to hear Five on the Five like in a studio version and it to me it felt a little flat compared to what yeah. I was used to from the yeah the Broken Boy Soldiers bootlegs. Now didn't they play Five on the Five on their very first show? I think they did. I don't recall. Yes, um, they did. I know they played it at their very first show, the one in London, the live at Irving Plaza, NYC. <laughs> it was their closer. <laughs> They wrote it on tour, didn't they? I think so, yeah. Or it was a Broken Boy Soldier unfinished thing or something. Salute Your Solution is just, a cla- I don't know, it's it's classic. I love this song. I, I, like, I like it, I love it, and <laughs> I gotta have it. It's not my copper, but it is, uh, it is up there as a, I mean, every song in this album, I gotta have, I gotta have it. Gotta have it. Well, what's your copper, James? Yeah, what's, speaking of copper, what is it? Carolina drama. Ah, I'm not sure if there's a point to the story, but I'm going to tell it again. So many other people try to tell the tale, not one of them knows the end. Junk house in South Carolina held a boy the age of ten. Along with his older brother Billy and their mother and her boyfriend. Who was a triple loser with some blue tattoos that were given to him when he was young. And a drunk temper that was easy to lose. But thank God he didn't own a gun. I like the weird long form storytelling songs uh and that's going to be a trend for the next one you'll find <laughs> out because the yeah this is uh i think carolina drama is what the it's weird it's definitely jack and there's no brendan in, in this yeah it's the impossible winner of this album <laughs> right it's the impossible winner it is also the thoughts and prayers again there's a there's a 
hint as my copper of the next one. But um, it's so fun to hear a story being told in a rock song. You don't hear it often anymore, at least a, a like a fictional story like this that's being told. And then there's no there's no ending to it. So it just kind of feels like a tree on fire from within. It just feels like a little bit of a of a ramble. I don't know. I, I, it's so hard to put it into words, but it feels different than any other piece of rock music that it comes out today because it's got that country vibe to it where it's just a man singing about his dog that died or whatever. <laughs> this is this is a man singing about you know some bad shit that happens, and I like it, and I like that it adds an element of costumery to Jack White shows because people will show up in milkman outfits. Right, yes. Early on, I was calling this song Milkman before I, I was accustomed to the album. I think I even wrote it on one of like my early like burned disc versions of this record. Yeah, it's good. Anyway, it's Dylan-y in its, in its own way. It's got a little Uncle Neil a little bit. Yeah. For Dylan, it almost didn't make the album until... Didn't Jack ask Bob Dylan, like, I don't know, I'm thinking about not putting this on the album. Bob Dylan's like, you got to do it, man. <laughs> that's right. Yes, <laughs> that's right. We did talk about that, yeah. So, yeah, that's my copper. It's great. Sidebar, real quick, in my office, they have cabinets, and they've been putting gigantic labels of what's in the cabinets at work, in the work kitchen. And one of the cabinets just has a big label that says sugar and honey. And I go, I want to look behind that. <laughs> sugar and honey. <laughs> Pull out an envelope filled anyway. with money. Ah, no, you're... Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. There's no money back there. I mean, <laughs> my company's been paying all the bills for years. <laughs> <laughs> Mama. <laughs> Turns out your company is your daddy. <laughs> no wonder I have so many issues with my company. Please don't refer to yourself as our daddy. All right. Well, those are some fine selections. So let's recap. My uh I'm gonna trip over it every time. My bronze is many shades of black. My tin is these stones will shout, and my Copper is Consoler of the Lonely. Luke, recap. My bronze is The Stones Will Shout. Tin is Consoler of the Lonely. Gold, salute your solution. Copper. And my bronze would be Consoler of the Lonely. My tin is Many Shades of Black. And my copper is Carolina Drama. We had a lot of overlap on that one, gentlemen. We did. Um, which is good songs. Yeah. We, had, we had good overlap, but some nice outliers, too. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the last one here. 2019's Help Us Stranger, in contrast to the gap of time between Broken Boy Soldiers and Consolers of the Lonely. This one was a an 11-year gap between records from 2008 to 2019, and definitely well-received when it arrived. It was a number one record in the U.S., and uh, launched a fantastic, awesome tour. I would say... I don't know, pretty decent sized radio hit out of the one with the flying V, whatever that one was called. Gordon Race, Sunday Driver. Uh, yeah, Sunday Driver. Oh, wait, Sunday Driver. Yeah. And I think, you know, I heard that at a friend's house for, at dinner. They had some music on in the background. This friend has no interest in Jack White at all. <laughs> and I heard that come on and I went, that's kind of nice to hear. Like, that pierced enough of the, that made it onto enough Spotify algorithmic. <laughs> you You might like this as, to get into this person's brain that wouldn't normally. So anyway, I would say it, it did have some some pretty decent commercial appeal. And we're going to go in with our last record here. And Luke, you're first up with your bronze. So you mentioned the past couple albums have been very Jack heavy. This actually, I feel like 
on Helpless Stranger, Brendan really shines through for me. Hmm. And my bronze is Only Child. Ah, what a good song. The most Brendan of the songs. Only child, only son. Treated like a criminal ever since day one. Only child, where do you go? And are you coming back again? Cause no one wants to know. Only child, one of these days. Someone's gonna come around and try to make you change. I like how only child and some days I don't feel like trying kind of feel like they don't, not that they feel the same, but they kind of feel like nice little um, mm-hmm. yeah. partners on the album. And I was trying to go between the two and I kind of settled on only child just because I think it hits a sweeter spot for me. And if there's something I think works better with only child as opposed to some days I don't feel like trying, but I like how Brendan it feels. It also feels like classic raconteurs to me. It, it there's part of me that almost feels like you can go on Broken Boy Soldiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, yes, thousand percent. Like together, it feels like it feels like it could be with together, or obviously it doesn't have the poppiness of Yellow Sun, but just kind of in that same blue vein, if you will. Yay. That might have something to do with the fact that of these songs, this is the one Brendan had in his pocket mm-hmm. that was mostly written, and he was just like, "Well, I might as well give this to these guys." Right. <laughs> I think Brendan kind of shines through on this album in a way. That Jack stuff doesn't quite hit the sweet spot for me on this album, for whatever, uh, oddly enough. Um, and maybe it's just because I loved Boarding House Reach. I really love that album. And this came out and it just. I had a muscle spasm like, when you said that, actually. It's very interesting. It was in my arm. I don't know if the camera picked that up, but I actually had a muscle spasm. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I, I know, I know a lot of people didn't, but that album just really did. I love Boarding House Reach, and to go from that to I felt not as good a material as I felt like he was doing on Boarding House Reach to kind of some of the stuff he was doing on this album. I wow. thought Jack just didn't get the highs that he usually does. Interesting, and I think Brendan shines through really well on this. I think he does too. I think um, part of that might be Jack wrestling with what his music should be or whatever you know because he yeah maybe not outwardly but after this album i think focused a little more on himself and his uh well-being and his health and his emotional health in a way that i think helped his creativity shine through a lot more boarding house reach and this album i think he was going through something maybe i don't know for sure but i know what you're saying because on this tour he was in a transition period to me to his current state because boarding house reach was definitely like i know we've mentioned it before but like for the first time this felt like a legacy act on the boarding house reach tour and then help us stranger came along and i was like oh no he's still got it but like it still was like trying to click and then now with yeah. the last two albums i'm like oh no this is he's he's got it back he's fresh so, i think yeah. this album probably did him some good 
And he's talked about it as much, being back in that guitarist role and not feeling the burden of all of the creativity resting on his shoulders it probably helped him out. His shoulder holds the weight <laughs> of the world? <laughs> Anyone who thinks we don't like that out, go back and listen to the analysis review where we gush about Boarding House Reach. All I'm saying is we go, I go back to that record and I go, this is fucking weird. And to me, it's hard to listen to almost like now. But anyway, I digress. In contrast to your opinion, Luke, I actually picked more Jack songs than Brendan's songs on this one. I actually thought that he mm. um, he had some nice highs on this one. But I love your choice here. There's not, not too many songs on this record I don't like. I, I think this, this album is actually a really, really strong selection. And dare I say, the best Tours lyric? And do you guys know what I'm going to say? Only child, prodigal son. Come ah, back yes. home again to get his laundry get done, his laundry which done. Jack calls out as well. But yeah, that is brilliant. That is a brilliant line. Only child, the prodigal son, has come back home again to get his laundry done. Yeah, Forlorn Brendan is kind of a, a meme to a very select crowd, but good gravy. Like, that is forlorn to a whole new level. <laughs> I mean, you could say he's a sensitive soul. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's brilliant. I think that guy, when, when Brendan is on, boy, he's he is uh, unstoppable. I should rephrase that. He's easily stoppable, but I wish he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> A stiff wind could blow that man over <laughs> over the fence. <laughs> anyway, that, that, what oh, a great boy. selection! Look, fantastic, James. Your bronze. My bronze is "Help Me, Stranger." Ooh, what a good song! felt like the raconteurs it was the first like born and raised is good but it didn't feel like the raconteurs in quite the same way that i wanted like born and raised and sunday driver you know we had heard both of those and i was like uh, you know they're good they're they're but it it feels a little um thrashier and less poppier than the other raconteur stuff and then the western stuff was just completely gone but help me stranger put in a fresh infusion of like the weirdness that I wanted with the drums and the, uh, that weird Jack Lawrence yeah, bass, the Jack Lawrence thing. thing yeah. <laughs> and the, if you call me, I'll come. It's, it's good. It's weird. And I like the weird 
what I've been kind of drawn to lately is that weird is good because I've heard a lot of the genres that I love now at this point in my life. A lot of it becomes samey to a degree. And then when I hear something that's weird, it's refreshing. It's like, oh, they're doing something new with the genre that is already kind of overdone. And I like that about Help Me Stranger. It, to bring it into the beer world, because I'm a beer snob, I liked IPAs for a long time. And then they all started to just kind of taste the same. I was like, oh, well, this is all, they're all trying to repeat the same thing and it's bitter and bad. And then I started experimenting with some of the weird stuff where they're throwing in a weird, strange thing. I'm like, oh. I like that. It's nice. It's different. It's fresh. Anyway, that's yeah. how I feel about this is it's fresh and strange. This was a song that my daughter, when this came out, when she was one, she was, she would move to this one. Boy, she would move to this one. This and sleep for some reason. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> she loves weed. I love the video. Uh, hard agree it sounds like the jack I want I think this one slides right into either Consolers of the Lonely or Broken Boy Soldiers it just sounds like a very consistent jack raconteurs song those tones those beautiful acoustic-y sounding tones again that Wilbury's 3 kind of acoustic guitar-y sort of sound and those bongos (laughs) how often do we get bongos on a jack tune, not very often, you know, or congas. So anyway, I, I do love that about this one. I would say the only kind of detracting factor to it being a raconteur's tune is that it's a little jangly and looser than what I'm used to. But I would say that's of the whole album. It's a little looser and jangly and d- rustier. Yeah, I agree with that. It's green. It's, it's rusted copper. <laughs> <laughs> that leaves your bronze, right? Okay, so my bronze is the jack white song that was a boarding house reach holdover that he brought to this record and i really wish he hadn't because i wish he would have put that on boarding house reach and it would have elevated to be the shit out of that record shine the light on me is my bronze when you're searching in the dark What was <laughs> this one of your picks, too? That is also my tin. That's your tin? That's my tin. That's your tin. Yeah, so Shine the Light on Me, a beautiful Jack number. Again, sounds like it could have been a solo song because it was written as a solo song, and it just so happened he conformed it much like Only Child on the Brendan side of things. Beautiful lyrics. It's a song with a melody. <laughs> <laughs> it's an actual song. Like, um, and that, and that is what I say, like, I think more actual songs on Boarding House Reach would have helped that record just for me personally. And this is an actual song <laughs> with a melody and a beginning and a middle and an end. And, and I really, um, never really get bored of this one. It has some hallmarks of 
earlier Jack and tour selections with the piano and things. But there's almost like a kind of an interesting gospel thing going on with this one that I really don't hear terribly often from him and was quite welcome that it happened. So I, uh, yeah, I don't have too much to say about it other than the fact that I really like shine the light on me. And I also always want to call it shine a light on me, but according to yeah, my iTunes, it's shine the light on me. There you go. It's got those oohs at the beginning, which are great. It's got the singular kind of notes that plonk their nice uh, into the ether. Yeah, they're plonking. They but they're the intro alone. It's it's got the weirdness. This song has the weirdness, and that's all I want out of it. And I like it so much. It's weirdness that is executed in a way that doesn't drown out the fact that it is a song, and that's what I like about it. Yeah. That. Yes. Agreed. I love shine a light on me. I the one. Because that was oh, that almost made my list. The one thing that the reason it didn't is I feel like it's not produced enough. Because the piano feels a little thin to me. I wish it was just a little bit more lush. You know what I mean? Like just it had a fuller, richer feel. That's the one thing that holds it back. Is it feels like they want to go there? Yeah, and it just doesn't get there. I get that. Yeah, it, it almost it borders on anthony. Yeah, like you're saying, it feels like they wanted to go in that direction, but then didn't quite feel the need to. They could have built it into more of a crescendo and an explosion of music. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I feel like yeah, I get I get where you're where you're coming from. Yeah, if you threw a thunderous solo and a and a switch up a la Madman from Manhattan or something at the end of this, this could have easily been the closer. See, actually, I think Madman from Manhattan is actually a really good example where. I don't think it's anything to do with maybe the songwriting or the structure of the song. I think it just has to do with the sound of it, the production of it, because Mad Men from Manhattan feels very full and rich and creamy innards, (laughs) just uh, soft outards. Um, (laughs) Outards? I I love that phrase. Uh, well, what's opposite of innards other than outards? No, you're um, right. No, you're co- you're correct. I just think it's beautiful. Thank you. Anyway, that's the comparison. So, uh, are, are we on to our tins then? Yes. yes. Let's move on to our tins. My tin is born and raised. much to say about this other than it's a really exciting track it kind of reminds me of acdc a bit i love acdc and it's a really fun exciting track and it always takes me back to when the album came out and i have a little portable stereo i put on my bike and i listen to this album every morning as i 
bike the six miles to work. And it was this perfect, like 6.30 a.m., got my speaker on my bike and just plowing down the road heading to work. This got me pumped. And It's a hardcore song. It's a good sort of pump-up track for that. And what it wasn't supposed to be on the album until Patrick was like, no, 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 put lyrics to it and put it on the fucking album. <laughs> and sure enough, Patrick sounds great on it. And it just... Yeah, it's a good, exciting track. Kind of, kind of reminded me of Consoler of the Lonely in that regard of just, yeah, exciting. You know who shines through in this album the most is Patrick, I would say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, His drumming yeah this is Patrick's album. Yeah, it's very, very good. Yeah, I love this track. It's, it's a favorite of mine. I didn't put it in my list, but it is a favorite of mine. Again, I don't dislike any track on this record. It's... It's this is a remarkably consistent offering. This record and Entering Heaven Alive are actually kind of really akin for me, where I like Entering Heaven Alive more because I like the songs more on that record. But they're so consistent, and when there is variation, you do you get it. You, it, it hits a little bit differently because of the variation stands out. I think I would say the Born and Raised suffers from the thing that I think this whole album for the most part suffers from for me personally, which is uh, what I like to call squanchy guitar. Uh, Jack White is playing just his, he's got this hard edged sleazy squanchy mm. guitar playing that I don't think fits into the rest of the Raconteurs catalog as neatly. Yeah. Um, it's, it's holdover because, of the squanch from yeah, boarding house yeah. reach really. Right. Yeah. 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 So I think it's squanchier than boarding house reach though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think help a stranger squanchier gets too yes. squanchy. I, I like that. I'm I've made this a thing. Um, but yeah, the, that's my, why I kind of stray away from board and raised and, you know, even don't bother me is kind of, which I know is probably going to be one of your coppers, <laughs> but uh, that song is, it's got, it's as aggressive and the squanch is real. Anyway, well, James, you're so great. What's your 10? <laughs> <laughs> I already mentioned my oh, yeah, tin, right. I feel like. It's shine the light on me. <laughs> Paul, you're so great. What's your <laughs> my tin? My tin is some days I don't feel like trying. I've got so much to give. i got a lot of heart. Yeah, only trouble is it's doomed from the start. It's great. Um, and it's it's funny because I went with this one in, in a similar path the way you went with Only Child. Only Child. Yeah, where I do. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they're, they're, um, they're not twins or something, but they're companion pieces. And it doesn't feel repetitive yeah. to me. It feels nice and consistent. And the complimentary. Complimentary. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. The cathartic anthem at the The end. cathartic anthem. God, we don't get that very often from Jack's stuff like this. Not like this. Obviously, he's known for his anthemic abilities, but not like that. Uh, and what a way to find power in helplessness. It shows Brendan's emotional growth, actually, to me. Not, not that we know the guy, but knowing his songwriting, 
to me, this is a mature idea. Whereas the woe is me stuff of his earlier career is a little more like you're in your twenties and your thirties and everyone's out to get you. Right. But in this one, there's a bit of responsibility he's taking, I think a little, he's got the world's coolest backing band there behind him to help lift this into the, into the stratosphere. So yeah, some days I don't feel like trying is my tin. We're really shit talking Brendan a lot. We love that friend man, of the anyway. show, Brendan Benson. Everybody go listen. Guy who agreed to be on our podcast, Brendan Benson. Yeah, everybody go listen to that interview where uh, we talk about Pornhub Junior. Anyway, um, anyway, <laughs> so that's that's our tins. Let's move on now to our coppers. Luke, bring us home. What's your copper? Well, to go with the Brendan theme. Now that you're gone. did the I, same head mo- motion yeah. in tandem it was like it was like in that movie friday about the day of the week friday where they go oh ice ice cube and <laughs> i want to say chris tucker <laughs> i think i'm the ice cube it's a good question i don't remember <laughs> whatever it I, I think what works about this song is well one i like the lyrics i like that he's you know sort of criticizing her and then and at the end it just turns out that he's that he like sort of he's the loser yeah right it's sort of like a defense mechanism that's just says what you know what am i gonna do <laughs> you know and uh, yeah i like i like the sound of the song the i think the songwriting was great you know sunday driver was an exciting track to, like come back to but it drones in a way that i think maybe gets a little boring whereas this i thought offered up like oh man this is the get more of that kind of stuff you know hard agree of, the, um, of those two yeah. this was my favorite and jack's guitar playing is just sublime in this out of this world yeah yeah, yeah i i agree with i that. would say contextually both of these songs work way better contextually in the album to me personally than they did yeah. as singles but. and this is the one i was trying to think of earlier when i was talking about many shades of black because they're very similar in construction yes i think this is a more successful many shades of black in a way that like what john lennon used to say that get back was a rewrite of lady madonna right or he he reckoned it that paul was rewriting lady madonna when he did get back oh. um i don't know if i've ever heard that. i think i've read that anywhere yeah i think this is a more successful version of many shades of black for me i think it's a stronger band performance because the yeah. jack is up front in the thing as opposed to being relegated to the end solo right it's a little more involved i like the trade-off guitars at the end too yeah 
Good choice. Good choice. Um, James, I think but I, I think we share... You have a better choice. I, I think he and I, I, if I'm recalling correctly, actually share our <laughs> copper selection. Which is thoughts and prayers. do i love weird on this album it, it soars it talks about weird history stuff and that's where the raconteurs really shine right they talk about weird history stuff <laughs> this fits with the raconteurs kind of motif and catalog in a way that i feel like is neat and fun and i think that the instrumentation it soars over and i think it, it what is it scarlet and lily playing dual fiddle yep um and it's it's just beautiful. gives me a sense of flying i like it i like this song quite a bit you've been a sullivan baloo fan for years i love sullivan baloo waiting for someone to write a song like it's 18 when is someone to write a song about sullivan baloo <laughs> like it's 1862 62, yeah something like that talk about nooks and crannies this one just you get lost and it's like a hedge maze of a song it's like an english me. muffin of a song where it's like this little betty white anyway whoa bringing it back um gentlemen what a fun 
episode. I had such a great time talking to the both of you. I'm happy technology eventually worked for the three of us. And uh, as redo episodes go, this is definitely the better of the two, considering the last one was mostly me saying, hold on, and then <laughs> talking about something else for 15 minutes. Well, Luke, is there anything you want to plug while you're here? You're going to, you're tripping off. You're leaving the U.S. You don't care for this country anymore. First of all, don't blame you. Second of all, you're uh, going to leave soon. Anything you want to plug before you leave? Man, I don't know. Uh, no, I th- I, I, I'm done plugging. Done plugging. All right. I'm leaving plugging behind me. All right. <laughs> I'm plugging. I'm plugging. Unplugging. So, this has been Luke a, unplugged. <laughs> we have a tradition on this program where we say where we're going to be looking for home, and uh, I will be looking for a home in the next top special that we do, which I think should be about the dead weather, and we should all do it together. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yes. And I will be looking for a home in Brendan's hot attic. Just so hot. It's <laughs> so hot sweat in lodge there. in there. Just a sweat lodge. And Luke, where will you be looking for a home? I will be looking for a home with an intimate secretary in the Republic of Ireland. <gasps> Maybe you'll meet Betty White. And she sounds uh, a little something <laughs> like that. Would you, <laughs> would you be able to give it back to the Irish while you're there? Uh, if, you wouldn't, if you'd be so kind. <laughs> I will. Thank you. What a what a great Paul track. In the midst of in the midst of war, Paul says, "Great Britain, you are tremendous. Nobody knows like me." But really, really, what are you doing in the land across the sea? It's a very level headed. And he got banned for it. Just, he got the it got banned. He's just plonkety plonk. So level headed. He's just plonkety plonking. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Thanks. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Yeah, bye. The Third Man Podcast was created, edited, and produced by Paul and James Kaminsky. Our theme song, We're the Third Men, was recorded by the band Radkey, who can be found at radkey.net. To contact the show, visit thirdmenpodcast.com or email thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at the third men underscore podcast on Instagram, at third men cast on Twitter, and search the third men on Facebook. Thanks to our Patreon patrons, to everyone who has rated, reviewed, and subscribed, and see you next time. Hold on one second. Hi. Yeah, we're talking to Luke Sinclair. Oh. Here, can you take this? Yeah, we can. Hi, Luke. Luke, hello. Closely. It's my wife. She says hi. Oh, he says hi. Tell her hi. Hello. Hello, Paul. And goodbye, everybody. Okay. Goodbye. I'm going to wait for her to go up the (laughs) stairs so that we don't get that audio. Clunk, 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 Uh clunk, clunk. Because I'm, I am in a basement. I'm in a literal. I am in the uh, the the broken boy soldier hell <laughs> hellscape. It concerns me. It concerns me because you're in a basement and there's a lot of tinfoil behind you. <laughs> now, would you believe that it's to keep the aliens away? <laughs> <laughs> 
everybody, Paul here with a quick message for you. As James and I mentioned many times on the show, this podcast is 100% not-for-profit and a labor of our love for music. We pride ourselves in bringing you interesting, timely content as we have these past 100-plus episodes. Podcasting is, however, a weirdly expensive process, and we actually lose money on hosting, time, equipment, advertising, and all the other little things that we need to do to make these shows for you. So, to help break even on some expenses like those, James and I have set up a Patreon account where you can, if you like, chip in a few bucks to help keep the lights on. It can be as much or as little as you can swing, and all donations are greatly appreciated. The last thing we want to do is hound anybody for cash, so just know that listening to our show is always payment enough. But if you would like to help us out, that would be amazing. All right, that's all from me. Remember, you can head to patreon.com slash thirdmenpodcast, and a huge thank you to everyone who's donated already. All right, everybody, I'll see you on the show. Beautiful. Hey gentlemen, I just got the sign that we I got the I got the wrap it up Oscar sign, so we uh Okay. So we just have to Okay, uh, we'll move it on. Hustle through it. Sorry. Um, so sorry. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. You are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the Beatles every week on the Yesterday and Today podcast. This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. We're a fan-made production, and we're available now on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. I literally uh, drank a. Uh, I took a box of Chardonnay and poured it into a tall glass and drank the whole thing, <laughs> and that was my um, lovely experience. Um, so there's that, and I'm gonna have a caffeinated bubbly while we get into talking about the Rackin Tours. You know they put caffeine yes. in these things now. The bubbly. I didn't I saw, know that. Yeah, bubbly plus or whatever. Uh, bubbly speed. Bubbly <laughs> makes it's you called bubbly local. caffeinated sparkle bubbly bounce. Bubbly bounce. Bubbly That's bounce. I, st- I I bought the bubblies because they were on sale at Target. We're getting off into a lot of tangents, but boy, I bought a lot of bubbly. And uh, that coconut. Oh, that pineapple coconut. Yeah, ah. they're a reliable brand. 